Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that has been doing it longer and stronger than even Josh Allen's throwing ability. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And uh, we have got an action-packed episode for you today, kids, because we're going to talk about those Buffalo Bills and their draft prospects, and we're going to play some games. And it's going to be really, really great. So you just stay tuned and stay buckled while I pull up the draft of Hot Agenda. There we go. Uh, look, there's. I, I, it was funny because I had forgotten all of the things that we had talked about. I saw O.J. Howard at the Sabres game, and my first thought was, did that happen before or after the last podcast? Because obviously so much has happened in free agency that I was like, that could have been right on the border. But if we didn't mention it last time, O.J. Howard is a tight end. But I think we did, so we'll we did, move on. Yes. yes, I thought so, but I just wasn't sure for a minute. Uh-huh. And now we've now we've entered the restructure part of of uh, you know we've we've bought our new home, and now we've got to do some of the fixing up around the house. And the the big thing which that is never said, as cheap as you expect it to be. No. Uh, this is the case with the bills as well. Yes, it's also doable, but you know anyway. The, <laughs> We're before maxing out down, the budget, let's say. <laughs> yeah, before I go down the the, the Steph Diggs, uh, the, uh, the the homeowners sort of metaphor too metaphor. far, let's, let's, let's get the information out. Stephon Diggs uh, has a football contract extension to his current contract um, where he will be paid $70 million guaranteed on $104 million for a four-year extension, which I don't believe includes this year. Um, I think this is a true extension, so this is all tacked on to the end. He intends to retire as a Buffalo Bill. This, of course, comes on the heels of Tariq Hill basically deciding he didn't want to be a chief because he wasn't going to get what he wanted to be paid, was traded to the Jets. And if it wasn't for the Deshaun Watson contract, I would say is a fairly ridiculous contract with how much money they guaranteed him to go to the Jets. So... Diggs gets money that's comparable to his talent level with regards to that. Um, and the market begins to move. And it is now currently on Debo Samuel, who I believe is we are waiting to see what and how he will sign. You mean but the Dolphins? For, oh, the Dolphins. What What about the – what did the Dolphins do? They signed oh, right. T-Rick Hill went to the Dolphins. The Dolphins and the Jets are the same team, guys. The Jets were all – and there were also 72 prominent players that changed teams this offseason. This is this is literally how every Patriots podcast sounded for 20 years. I I, I heard that the the Jets signed <laughs> Mario Williams. Okay, the Bills, Bills, draft draft, Bills, Bills drafted Geno Smith. You it's know, all the same guy. Yep. It's all the same guy. Uh, I apologize. Yes, Terry Kill, who um, will get his, who will be underthrown by Tua Tagovailoa instead of being underthrown by Zach Wilson. Um, who maybe could have actually thrown it to him. Anyway, Bills, they 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 locked up their 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 favorite wide receiver, um, Josh Allen's favorite wide receiver, certainly a good wide receiver. Did Frank mean to say a I, Pro Bowl wide receiver? Maybe. A, Frank is maybe gone even silent. a borderline all pro wide receiver, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, obviously, yeah, I mean I think we we there was rumors that we needed to get this one done because we weren't really sure 
you know, obviously we were kind of headed into, you know, we got him with some time left on the contract, which was the nice thing when we got the digs deal, mm-hmm. but obviously we wanted to see how it was extended. So yeah, I mean, obviously it was, it was great to get him back for, I mean, obviously it's a huge amount of money, but in the wide receiver kind of NFL football player world, it's not beyond what I would expect to pay him. Um, so I'm glad they were able to get it done in a way that, that still preserves the ability to do, you know, all the things that you know, we were still able to do everything else that we needed to do. Yeah, and it doesn't, you know, by the t- we're expecting a new TV deal uh, during the course of this contract. You're signing him through his age 34 season, and if you need to cut him before then, it's $18 million in cap savings and a $3 million dead hit. So you're going to have him right up through the time he's effective. So I think it was smart the number of years they extended it and how it's structured, especially giving them some leeway uh, where the only two years they can cut him really are next are this year and the year after. So, you know, all in all, this is this is the guy. This is the guy who's helped make Josh uh, what he what he is. So I'm I'm thrilled to have him aboard until uh, he ceases being a useful wide receiver. Um, yeah. So uh, I, can can you hear me? Am I back? Oh, ah, yes, you have yes. returned. Okay. Thank you. Yes, I I was just checking. I was, thank you. This was the Skype was telling us me to get out of the intro, so that was good. Um, I agree. <laughs> I, I am I am fully on board with this, uh, and I am happy basically with the contract and, and you guys have highlighted those things. Of course, this also means Jordan Poyer wants a new deal. Not this isn't why, but he also does in fact want one and is in a position like Diggs where he's a player who probably deserves one. Uh, he probably deserves more money. He will eventually get more money from somebody. It might be the bills. It might not be Brandon Bean uh, in his press conferences. were sort of, he was pretty blunt that like, you can't, he just had said, more or less, you can't make everyone happy. And a lot of times, you know, good players end up having to go elsewhere. He, he certainly said that he was not done negotiating with Poyer or anything like that. He didn't make it sound so dire as he's done, but he definitely doesn't seem to have the urgency he had with Stefan Diggs, with Jordan Poyer. And there was some level of, you know, hey, you can only open the, the piggy bank so many times for people. Do you guys have any thoughts on on the Poyer extension? Uh and yeah. I think the only, I, you know what, let me just say the only thing I find interesting about it right this minute is that, you know, I don't want to bang a guy for not coming to voluntary minicamp. It is, in fact, voluntary minicamp, and you don't have to go there as a as a veteran. I'm not, like, you know, so worried about it. I don't think I'm. we're looking at any sort of sit-out for him. But I, I was sort of impressed with Bean's discussion about, you know, his philosophy, at least the way he presents it, is, uh, we look at players, we tell them what we think we can afford. We try and make up the difference on stuff, but he never really tries to go in and low ball or hardball anybody. He's just very direct, you know? And so if there's a, there's a disconnect with how much they can offer versus what he's worth, he's as much as said that to some players is saying, you're right. You probably can get more if you go somewhere else, but this is what we can do for you. So with that, I'll let Paul and then, and then Scott go. Yeah, I, I I see why Jordan Poyer wants more money. And as Frank mentioned, Jordan Poyer really deserves more money. Uh, but as Brandon Bean also mentioned, to just repeat everything Frank said, uh, you, you're not going to be able to pay everyone necessarily. And I think this is probably one of those instances where you do not look to extend him. And for those of you, and hopefully you guys disagree, so we have some lively discussion. But the difference between him and Diggs for me is Poyer is a 31-year-old. Diggs is 29. You know, Poyer has... Maybe a couple of years left, but he's probably going to get a contract that is worth more. I will not feel particularly guilty if the Bills don't sign him because remember when the Bills uh, signed him to a four-year deal 
um, you know, in for whatever it was, $13 million after the Browns didn't want him anymore and after he'd been cut by the Eagles, he was not in demand. The Bills were looked at as overpaying him. They, but it had turned out to be a very good deal. So they they put in a new deal in 2020, uh, you know, $8 million that year. He's going to put bring in about $11 million this year. So, and he'll have earned every penny of that. And certainly probably does deserve more. You know, he I think he earned that all pro safety this year. He was significant. I, I shouldn't say significantly better in every area because he was pretty good in every area. You just tend to miss a few more tackles or seem to be out of spots occasionally. I didn't see that as much last year. And so good for him. I absolutely think he deserves more money. But looking at the Bills contract situation and what they need to do, I think you do really look to see if you have it, if Jaquan Johnson can step up and be the guy after this contract is up or if you look in the draft, because I don't think it is fiscally the best decision to pay him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, unfortunately for both uh, the sake of the podcast and Jordan Poyer's time in the Bills, I agree. I think um, <laughs> it is. It is like obviously it hurts a lot because like emotionally like Jordan Poyer has been a guy who was really there at the ground floor on some level, um, kind of part of the initial kind of McDermott crew of, you know, rebuilding the secondary him and Hyde. And for a long time, we've known how essential they've been. And we've been consistently talking about how underperform, how under recognized they've been. And it's only recently that they've really been recognized and top safety duos and all that kind of jazz. And he finally gets the the all pro selection, right? Cause he didn't actually make the pro mm-hmm. bowl. Um, but, and then nope. now to like, we get one season with him, you know, and now not, not after the recognition, but like we get one more season with him and then it's like, we might have to say goodbye. And I, I don't, you know, obviously like it'd be great to have everyone stay and play for the bills forever, but if it's more important for him to get paid and he's a businessman and he has to worry about his family and yada, 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 that's part of the life and we'll have to say goodbye then. But it's, it is, um, that doesn't mean it's not, it's not, um, it doesn't hurt a little bit. Cause it does, it does, you know, I think, um, seeing guys leave who are a part of this rebuilding process does hurt a little bit. And I think he was part of it. We'll see. I, I, we are weirdly at a point where we're going to miss some players, which, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't happen very often in the, in the history of our podcast. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Uh, we we lost players that have been like he was really good. We should have kept him, uh, but you know, not really that kind of thing. So we have Mike Butker resigned, Taiwan Jones resigned, and Ryan Bates had his uh, match from the the. I think it was Bears? the Bears, offer? right? Yeah, I think yeah, the, the, the Bears, Bears offer the offer sheet. That, and that was all. His the, I didn't put it in the agenda because it was too tough to fit in our, our limited space. He did also restructure said. then the second the Bills signed the offer sheet, so his cap hit this year isn't as brutal as it was going to be, which I didn't know you could do, and it kind of seems like cheating uh, the intent <laughs> of the offer sheet, but I'm cool with it because it worked for worked out for the Bills' favor. Yeah, uh, and also Ed Oliver gets his fifth-year extension done. So these are all people who don't necessarily have a better place to go yet or are not allowed to go yet. So there you go. Uh, they're not in the Jordan Poyer or Stefan Diggs position. I, I'm very happy that we avoided sort of the I need to be traded conversation, it seems, which a couple of teams have sort of found themselves stuck in. Yeah, the only one really was Beasley. And the Bills are like, well, we tried. Sorry. You know, and he's still yeah, by all means. Like yeah, go, by, yeah, they just sort of said, by all means, go look for a trade. We got you. And and I that's about as professional as you could probably handle it. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so as long as Josh luck. doesn't come out and say that, I'm I'm good with it. Right. Well, they do seem to be they're ready to make uh, Josh Allen happy. 
Maybe Josh Allen will be happy with his brand new home, a $1.4 billion stadium with $600 million in public funds, a 30-year, quote, ironclad lease. Uh, Voters in New York State are not happy with it. I can't imagine there's ever been a stadium anywhere where the entire state was happy with it. Voters are simply just not happy, period. Uh, So, but anyway, the Bills, the Bills, uh, they're set. They're basically going to be in Buffalo for the next 30 years or until the NFL ends or, I don't know, something else happens. Right, the earth ends, maybe. We'll see. We're doing our best to... Not World, World War Three. There's a bunch of ways things could go down. But pandemic off the list. The, co- the pandemic did not kill the world or the NFL. So that clearly needs to be bigger. <laughs> you know, we still got BA2 out there, buddy. And I <laughs> anyway, um, the, yeah, the Bills, the, the Bills get a stadium. Uh, they're going to build it right across the street from the old stadium. Uh, you, you know, the, the, this was sort of the known idea that there wasn't going to be a roof that there was in fact going to be over in orchard park a a downtown stadium was going to be too expensive i had a conversation with some guy who ran for something once on twitter and and he was very adamant that this was like a he had read the memorandum of understanding and it was really terrible and I, i don't know i read the memorandum of understanding and i felt like it wasn't nearly as bad as some people were making it out to be obviously there's like $600 $600 million in public funding, which I don't think includes the money from the NFL. And then the, the Pagulas are going to pick it up, but the, the Pagulas are on the hook for any sorts of overages. They get, they get into a lot of trouble if they decide to pull out or whatever. Uh, you know, the States approve the budget. It's sort of a drop in the bucket bucket compared to what New York state is spending. Um, folks who have listened to me for a long time know that I am not a fan of, you know, public spending on on stadiums. I am not exactly all about giving billionaires um, huge tax breaks, but I feel like this was about as fair a deal as you were going to get. You know, they're going to be able to use the stadium for other things in the county, and I am sure they are already lining up concerts and other, you know, maybe they'll be able to play soccer there or do some other stuff, but, you know, they'll have a, a locked-in tenant, and I'm, I'm sort of just happy that, the, you know, football gets to stay in Buffalo, and uh, I won't but yeah, I won't sugarcoat it with like, oh, it'll be great for the economy. It'll certainly be better than a gaping hole of missing football in the economy. But I, I'm sure it's going to not be as great as as they would like you to believe. That tends to be the way of the world. But Scott, you're the you're the lone person from not from New York on the podcast. What do you think of the the Empire State shelling out money and building the bills a new stadium? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it is unfortunately the business of we're, we got to do what we got to do. Um, the the I mean, it's it's easy for me to see being we using the corporate we there um, of of not my tax money. Um, but I, mean, I think that is unfortunately the, the 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 market that we have built for ourselves. And um, while yeah, there's there's probably better ways to do it. There's no perfect way. Um, I mean. Lord knows, over here in England, there was a year ago um, a bunch of of the more famous and more um, enormous English football clubs all wanted to just go off and break off and make their own league with the top German clubs and Spanish clubs and PSG in Paris and 
and everyone flipped the hell out and there was worries that it was just going to happen because the people who were owning the clubs were just like well you know if we get relegated we don't make as much money so if we break off and form our own super league where we can never get relegated then we keep all of the money and we don't have to share it with these joker squads and do all the rest of the things that we would normally have to do in the thing now there was enough public pressure to kind of push back on that but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen again in five years or 10 years or whatever, um, because that is kind of happened in college, kind of kind of happened in American college football. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's 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 close to that. And it's it's not um, there's no there's no perfect way to do this. I mean, the, the alternative right. is is you have, you know, publicly, you know, publicly traded teams like the Packers. The, the problem is, is that um, people are stupid and yep. most people, if you. If you gave most of the people in Buffalo a, a share of the Bills, I'm sure there'd be plenty of Bills fans who would hold on to their share. There'd also be plenty of people who, if you came up to them and said, I will give you $1,000 right now for that $200 share of the Buffalo Bills, they would take that deal. And that's how you end up with the same amount of people owning big corporate, you know, big. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Elon Musk has turned your football team into a crypto currency son of a bitch they don't really know how it happened or how to spend your your bills coin but (laughs) (laughs) and why couldn't you spend 41.4 million on twitter and then put the other 600 million to the bills and then we won't let any public money go to it right problem solved i had also thought like you know if you make the pagulas pay for the whole stadium well then they own the stadium and if you're erie county and you want to use it well you're going to have to pay every time you want to use it so it's it's going to come out like you're good you're going to make people the state was going to pay something for it because it physically resides on the on the public land and this and the state and the county are going to be able to use it. So I'd like to take this moment to thank Paul's parents and my parents and my sister uh, and our other New York state friends who are going to be paying for this stadium. So, and Scott, you. I believe you have a sibling living in New York state as well. Last I checked. I do. My... Yes. My, my sister in New York City will be will be paying her state. Taxes. Ooh, good. Yes. Yeah. And she won't even be she supposed can, to be able to travel to the game yeah. like Frank and I's parents. Do. No, those, can, those commutes from lower Manhattan are not going to really, <laughs> not going to get it done. Well, I'm sure she read the snooty New York Times article and like can look her nose like, uh, like, really? I have to spend my tax dollars? I, I don't uh, think your sister talks like that. I just think that she could if she wanted to. No, and she can't afford a subscription to the New York Times. She lives in lower Manhattan. so. Right. Oh, that's the, okay. Well, I don't know. Any Manhattan seems like. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's because all her money goes to rent for what I'm guessing is actually a, if you it's a if 300, like, I was gonna say it's probably like a 300 square foot place for about 3400 a month. Well, no, the whole house is made of the New York Times. That's how you <laughs> that is the joke. Yeah, exactly. Is, <laughs> she, she's she's living in one of their uh, one of their they don't Sunday the sections. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Anyway, so it's all there. We'll see. I don't think anybody had any questions about it for the thing look uh the the okay so here is the the time where we talk about the draft and i think this is a good place just to really hammer home how bad we are at this it's time for me to whip out the old who's bad take um because what i did i went and i listened to the episode before we drafted josh allen and the episode after we drafted josh allen in 2018 and there was some pretty obvious terrible takes and then there was there was a terrible take that was like i felt like it was just wishy-washy so i i included it and then honestly we had almost a perfect take 
So, hmm. who's perfect take? That could be a new segment. Um, here's a throwaway one. Uh, who, who described Josh Rosen as my quarterback wet dream? Ah, uh, I'm going to go. I don't think I would have said that. I am yeah. humiliated if I did. I'm going to pin this one on Scott. I'm going to say gonna Scott. Say, mm, I don't I don't use those kind of potty words. I don't I don't think about those <laughs> kind of things. Um I I would say Frank. Okay. It was in fact me. So I oh, said that Scott as a throwaway. Who said I would honestly debate if I wanted Mason Rudolph ahead of this guy referring to Josh Allen. He followed that up with he is somewhat athletic, but he is not Lamar Jackson. Uh that sounds like a me. Yeah, that sounds like a Scott. That is a Scott. Well done. No. Okay. <laughs> who, did, who did the quickest 180 on Josh Allen from the before and the after? Who do you think? Just just as like a who started right. to lay. Yeah, it was me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This person described their their their, their post Josh Allen take as as follows. Um you know, there are good things and there are bad things. And then I try to have a voice of reason. So my civil review of the Josh Allen pick, good. They had, hey, at least they took one of the big four quarterbacks. The bad point was Josh Rosen was the more intelligent uh, and more. Uh, he was also an excellent leader of men and they should have taken Josh Rosen. And the voice of reason part was this is the move that needed to be made, but isn't and but isn't assuredly a doom and gloom pick by taking Josh, Josh Allen. So the story, like, so you had to take up quarterback. He was the one they took. And I guess this, that it doesn't necessarily means that it's all going to fall apart. I mean, I'm leaning toward me just because it hasn't been me yet. But, mm. you know, I also don't remember saying those things, but I'm going to be a coward and say myself. Okay. Scott, yeah, do you want to say anything? I lean, I lean towards Paul as well, but I, I don't feel strongly about it. Well, you should, because it is, in fact, Paul, who All referenced right. the movie, who referenced the movie Sybil, a movie about people with multiple personality yeah. disorder. Yeah, and, no, I, and, I, I see that now. Yeah. And, I, and I, that, I, that to me is the wishy-washy Paul take, which I love yeah. Paul, but sometimes you got the real wishy-washy. I'm just going to say everything. And you really like, <laughs> I think this was your coping me- mechanism. So it got put in who's bad take because you didn't really have a take. Right. I mean, we should all talk about uh you know, Sally Field movies that came out before we were born in every podcast. Absolutely. We can. All right. Now, do you want the the loudest bad take? No, we'll do the loudest bad take and then we'll do the best take. Okay. All right. <sighs> the loudest bad take was God damn it, which was the response when one host found out not that the Bills drafted Josh Allen, but that Mike Rodak of ESPN had taken Josh Allen in their mock draft that was currently being broadcast on ESPN that another host was watching during the podcast. The cursing host followed this up with the only thing that would make me more mad than drafting Josh Allen is if they traded up to draft Josh Allen. It should be noted that everyone laughed when the person said that. So we all were in agreement that that was a terrible idea to trade up for Josh Allen does have a hint of me on that yeah i'm i'm gonna go with scott as well i also remember i was the one watching mike rodak so i think i'd rule myself out on this uh you were the one watching that you were watching the one but i was the one who yelled god damn (laughs) and then said the only the only thing worse because (laughs) scott and we're not going to make you guess because scott had the best take 
of the entire two I, episodes. I, I am surprised by this. I am. I, I am um, like, right. Not... Scott's like, he will be a two-time Pro Bowler by his fourth season and lead the Bills to at least one AFC title game. Scott suggested it's not so much with Josh Allen. Scott suggested with the Bills second pick in the first round, because you remember they have two. They needed to go either with wide receiver or linebacker at 22 with wide receiver looking thin other than you really liked Calvin Ridley. He suggested the problem with linebacker was that Rokon Smith and Tremaine Edwards, Tremaine Edwards, uh, wouldn't likely get past the wouldn't get past the top 15 quote. If either one of those guys slips past there, maybe you think about trying to snag him. The Bills ended up taking Tremaine Edmonds at 16 by trading 22 up to 16 with Baltimore. Baltimore would then trade out of 22 and go down to 25, where they would take Hayden Hurst, tight end, and then they would trade up again to take Lamar Jackson with the 32nd pick. So I thought that was just good. Also pretty great was when you said Rashad Evans should be available at 22. He was your other linebacker that you thought was like he was going to be the linebacker that was available. Well, Tennessee took him with 22. Although you were skeptical of Boise State's Leighton Van S. Leighton Van Der Esk, Esh, uh, taken at 19, who has been the one to make a Pro Bowl of the group. Yeah, the funny thing, yeah. The the funny thing about you, first of all, so like you nailed it, right? Like they they escaped there. Edmonds escapes the top 15. The Bills go up and get him. You nail it, right? You completely nail it. The next week when we when we try to give you kudos, you go, yeah, well, I don't know. I guess you really got to think about whether you should have taken the other guy at 22 and kept that other asset. And like all of a sudden you were talking yourself out of like what you basically said, <laughs> well, would have been mean, maybe not a terrible idea. <laughs> in hindsight. I mean, like, I mean, Edmonds has been fine, but he's, you know, is he like worth a number 17 overall pick? Like, right. you know, he's borderline pro bowler baby, but I'm not sure right. that we're going to keep him. At this I, I so, feel um, like I just thought it was funny that. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, no multi-time Pro Bowler has been more questioned, I think, since Ruben Brown. Finally, like, Ruben Brown made, like, six in a row, and Bill's Mafia is finally like, all right, we'll we'll accept this guy. Tremaine's <laughs> made a couple, and we're kind of like, eh, is it time to let him go? We'll see. Well, fair enough. He, uh, But I, I just thought it was great how you kind of nailed what, what it would happen. The other thing that was interesting to me when I was listening to these, uh, I had completely forgotten that Josh Allen's tenure in Buffalo started with uh, them digging up tweets where he used racist words um from a song lyric or whatever and so i just and we had like a whole conversation about like the leadership council the leadership council gentlemen do you remember when like (laughs) the leadership council was an integral piece to talking about the bills and we were all sort of like well that seems pretty terrible but he's talked to the team and i guess that they're willing to give him like that's all gone like that's weirdly like just like a distant distant twinkling in the sky. That would be an odd footnote in the in the story of Josh Allen and Buffalo. The, and I've other, forgotten all about the Player Leadership Council until Frank just brought it up now. Yeah, they were like, oh, well, apparently Lorenzo, Lorenzo Alexander had told him like he's going to have to explain himself to the team, and we were all glad that he apologized and owned up to it, and, but it was really just sort of um, really funny to, to hear that the other interesting thing we ended the, the the episode after the draft we were discussing the recent firing also or or resignation of uh tom donahoe who was know. definitely just leaving to spend more time with his family and <laughs> we were we were digging through that muck hole about you know that so i just was that was who's bad take Good times he could, because uh, thank you, you for know, the research, Frank. Whoa, yeah, well appreciate that. 
I thought it was really I had a really good time. I thought it was being a little obvious going to the Josh Allen draft, but but it's a good one to go with. Also, we seem to have not be able to hear Frank again, but that's okay. I think we should start talking about the this year's draft. Yeah, this year's draft. I'm Scott, under, I'm going to take I'm, over hosting you and say, why don't you start talking about uh, this year's draft while Frank uh, fixes his audio? And and the they obviously like led into like an enormous uh, burden now placed upon me, given my preternatural ability to 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 cogitate about the Bills and NFL draft material. Right, um, and and given the fact that I care less this year than I've cared <laughs> any year before, so I my research is going to be even worse than the normal level two research it is. So yeah, I mean, I remember last year and the year before, even we were talking a little bit about this as like it's weird doing these podcasts. Like a couple of years ago, we would have had to go like piece by piece through all of the rounds and all of the needs that the Bills have, and really have to spend a go deep on this because this is our one chance to actually have some hope this year and get some actual, you know progress forward on the team to get us you know on the verge of where we can think about maybe getting to the playoffs at some point someday and now we're at the point where the, the holes are actually few on the team and we, we we know that right um mm-hmm. i think everyone's kind of identified that number two corner is kind of the biggest glaring need um you know obviously we can start talking about um other targets if we want later um maybe it's a defensive tackle maybe you're worried about who your safety is who's going to replace poyer next year if we have to lose him um, a lot of people think guard or wide receiver. I'm not particularly sold on those, but let's let's focus on the corners um, for now. I think the the general consensus that I've seen, and I don't have a problem with. I have I, again not watching as much college football over here in England as it as as one might expect. Um, <laughs> but basically, the four kind of top ones are um, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, fantastic name for the quarterback. Everyone agrees there. Um, he's kind of the easy number one out of Cincinnati. Then your second uh, person is going to be the Derek Stingley or Derek Stingley Jr. Thankfully, not not Derek Stingley Sr. Okay, fair enough. Um, Since the, he's dead, uh, yeah, just had to throw that in there. Yeah. Dead. Am I the only one who remembers the original Derek Stingley? I don't All know right. if I remember a Derek Stingley Sr. Um, but Derek Stingley, much more of a guy who has had a lot of good. Um, had a well, excuse, I will say that a very limited set of tape. Um, freshman year at LSU had an absolute kind of house on fire season. Five star guy coming out of high school was, was uh, you know, everyone knew he was going to be a top 10 draft pick, even you know, basically coming out of high school, coming into his freshman year. Then at that point, the he gets injured, um, he gets COVID, um, he comes back last year, he has more time. Um, he has more time on his, again, on the injured list, and now he's kind of an iffy guy. Given where the Bills are at this point in their team, I don't think they can do the Derek Stingley route if he drops to them for some reason. A lot of people think he's going to go in the top 15 anyway, but that's basically where we're we're just going to have to... If we get into that position, I'm not really comfortable taking him just because we do need to worry about the... um, about the potential for him having a bad injury season and it, and and that it we, we need to go re, re- figure out this problem in the second round basically um, or excuse me in, in with another in the number two cornerback basically but I think I think so I think we pass on him if it comes to us and then the next two after that are Trent McDuffie, Kyer Elam from Washington and Florida respectfully 
Um, those guys could be on the board. Um, I think if they drop, that's 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 fine. Um, and then you also put Andrew Booth in that as well, and he's the guy out of Clemson. Um, all three of those guys are 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 good good players. Um, they all give a little bit different skill set. I think Andrew Booth is the one with the higher ceiling, has the most athleticism, um, obviously a little better pedigree coming from from Clemson. Um, McDuffie is a better kind of zone corner, which in our system is usually good enough um, because you're you're spending a lot of time um, kind of in not to put too fine a point on it, but soft zone coverage where you're kind of daring the receivers in front of you to consistently and the quarterbacks to consistently make passes into tight windows and and kind of get there uh, on time and make the correct decisions. So I think I'd be fine with that. Um, Kyrie Elam is another guy, a, a little more athleticism than McDuffie, but but not uh, not quite as much as Booth. So I think he's also fine if he's on the board. Um, I think any three of those guys would all be quality choices. Um, I think if for some reason they're not on the board, only then do you really think about having to um, to to do something else, whether it's go to one of your kind of less priority positions. But again, even then, I'm not even sure you do that. If anything, maybe you try and trade back. I would say it's more likely. I think the thing that concerns me the most is you get in a situation and um, call back. If it looks like there's going to be a run on quarterbacks or cornerbacks, excuse me, in that kind of 10 to 15 range, you may have to think about trying to to move up because in some of these more recent mock drafts, I'm seeing people taking booth. All five of the corners are off the board by 20, and, and you're you you got problems. Um, so I don't think we want to get yeah. in that position. The Bills don't need a we don't need depth on this team right now. We need starters. We need impact players, um, and we need. Guys who can have been impact. I mean, the depth depth is fine and and all well and good, but that is that is a problem for future years. Uh, you know, regardless of what Brandon Bean says, the goal is to win the Super Bowl this year. That's the target. That's the end state. So if you're not helping us win the Super Bowl okay. this year, I'm I'm not interested. So let's if if the sixth and seventh round picks that the other teams draft turn into Pro Bowlers in future years, that's great. Let's take those and turn them into another five or ten picks moved up this year so that we can get our guy in the first round at corner. That is my thought. All right. Am I am I audible? Yeah, you or are audible. You are. Listenable. Okay. I'm calling it audible. I had Kyler Gordon on my list of four players. So that's good. Um, and then Kyler I also Gordon saw... Kyler not on my list of four players. Oh, oh, wait. No, who is the guy that... So I had Trent McDuffie. Also Trent McDuffie is his teammate. There, yes, that's it. Right. There are two from Washington. Kyler Gordon, very athletic. Some people think he's a little more raw. Of the two, Gordon was the one that they threw at. So okay. the, clearly the people who were watching them on a week-to-week basis thought they had better chances against Gordon, which is I why. I think he's a – yeah, is he the sophomore? I he's a no sophomore. Notes. So I, is McDuffie, though. I, I think they're, they're both sophomores. Yeah. Okay. I forget if McDuffie um, – but I know that Gordon is – Generally considered more athletic than McDuffie, so there's an argument okay. that works out better. In the I course. I was only going to say, and I thank you so much, Paul, for 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 leading everybody off. It's I can hear or you Scott guys. Scott, I I can't take. Oh oh, I see. Well, no, but you you did the intro, and yes. and then Scott Scott, you know, took the first crack at it. Um, I was going to say that surprise surprise um, that the Bills have positions of need, but also might take the best player available 
but also there are rumors they could trade up or down or sit tight at their own pick. Um, hmm. And I'm also hearing lots and lots of thoughts on this. Yeah, I think- have heard the rumor that a lot of teams are trying to trade down, but there aren't many takers because their feeling is this is not is, uh, you know, there aren't superstars at the top. Uh, as much right. As. They were saying that that might drive the price down to trade up, though. Like, so mm-hmm. there's an Good idea point. that if you're in you are in that no man's land and you want a guy, then maybe it's easier to get to 15 than it usually is or 20 that, you know, and it's not going to cost you as much. So I think the bills are in a, in a I think the bills are in a, a weirdly great position because, I mean, their roster more or less, even though we've tinkered around the edges already, they're still a play. But as today, if they drafted nobody, right, you would expect them to win the AFC East and make a run at the Super Bowl. And it would be a legitimate run at the Super Bowl. And it's not that they don't need to get better and they don't need to have positions that they need. It's just that they're a really good team. So you are in a position, I think, <clears throat> maybe not like Scott says, where you, you want to do depth, but if you think that Kyler Gordon is ultimately going to be the better corner, then maybe you're okay with Dane Jackson and, and Trey White. You don't need somebody to step in because even though you might have trouble at corner for a little while this year, you would expect that your team can pick up the slack over the course of it because they did it last year. Um, I think that puts them in a they, nice Except spot. until the AFC title game but, or the uh, AFC division. Well, by then, hopefully, we, we everybody's healthy and you're in a different spot. And, and with a rule change, there you go. Um, so uh, <laughs> all I did was I clicked on I, – today I clicked on four mock drafts because I think I'm in Paul's spot where I'm like, this is maybe the least I've cared about a draft <laughs> in a very long time. So I saw Kyler Gordon's in one draft. I saw Jahan Dotson, uh, wide receiver, in another draft. I saw Kenyon Green, interior offensive lineman, in yet another draft. And then, uh, yeah, that was um, that was PFF. And they were like, oh, well, they think he's going to go higher. But, you know, our grades and their grades are worth just about what I blow my nose with, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then Brees Hall, which is like the new sexy. He's like the new guy, right? Like, this is the guy. Well, hey, they're going to get this. And I was a little offended by the NFL.com. I think it was Bucky Brooks who, who wrote it. Um, uh, well, one of them said, it'll take the pressure off of Josh Allen having to run the whole offense. And I'm like, don't you dare take the pressure off of Josh Allen running. <laughs> I don't want anybody else doing anything except exactly what Josh Allen tells them, especially some guy named Brees Hall, who's about to step in to the best opportunity of his life. Thank you very much. Um so I was a little annoyed with how he wrote it, but you know, okay, pass catching no, running back a, who can that's also a run. dumb opinion. No, that's a dumb opinion. That's like Thank you should you. not no one should be spending first round picks on running backs unless it's fucking Bo Jackson at this point. So right. let's let's be serious about that. Unless this guy's the next Bo Jackson, then we're not talking about it. Kids look up who Bo Jackson was. I'll just say right. that. And um, you or, or or Jim Brown also accepted. Yeah. Okay, yes. fine. Exactly. Um, or but, but, or exactly. somebody who came up, somebody who came up in the draft podcast, famous second rounder Thurman Thomas. Yeah. Sure, sure, exactly. Yeah, if if we knew Thurman was coming out, fine, we can get him in the first round. But that's the thing. There, there's no point in most teams taking a first round pick there, and especially not the Bills. Um, with yeah, would it be nice to have better running backs? Sure. Um, am I comfortable with the running back situation? Not terribly. Is there a definite need on this team for a cornerback that is far more greater than uh, running right. backs? Yes. 
that is also true. It, it will be interesting to see. The only thing I, the, in Scott's assessment that I could disagree with was obviously a higher level item because he knows the players so much better than, than I do. He did know he wants somebody who can come in and help this year and, and help the team win the Super Bowl. And I just don't know if that's going to be feasible unless they were to do some sort of trade up. Is, is the cornerback they're going to draft, if they draft a corner, going to replace Dane Jackson, beat him out for a starting job? If they went with a running back, is, is he going to do the same? I, I think you could argue, and when you look at last year, they drafted Rousseau, who was fine his rookie year, but he wasn't really a major part of why they won. This could be, you look to like maybe a, a Kyle Hamilton at safety drops, probably not, or a Daxton Hill at safety. And they're, okay, we might be losing Poyer. Let's get one of these guys to develop him for a year and have them step in or think, okay, our interior line, you know, we're set for maybe the next year or so. Uh, but, you know, you have Saffold on a limited contract and you, you know, Bates should be good. You hope you signed that money, but he's only had five games as a starting uh, guard. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's reasonable to expect that they will be able to draft someone who helps them win the Super Bowl this year. And maybe they will have to turn to someone who can replace a guy they're going to lose when they do win the Super Bowl. I, you, I think, well, yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. I will just say, I'd rather take the swing and go for it this year oh, yeah. than, and then, then have it, have it go the other way. Yeah. It would be, you are, I, you are yeah, a greedy ahead, man, Paul. Scott, you are a greedy man, but I like it. I, I like, the I think, I think the nice backup feature to Scott's position is he's not saying that and then picking the running back who might help score points. He's also picking at this position of quote unquote need and the position that ends up costing a lot of money. I, it's one of the things that when people who are, there are people who are pushing for the bills to take a wide receiver. And I think the thing that I like about that is that wide receivers do get expensive and there's probably going to be, there's more than one person who says like the next big rich contracts are all going to be wide receivers. And so having young wide receivers who are talented uh, available to your team will alleviate some of the pressure when say Gabe Davis's contract needs to be redone or whoever the next one is, or you have to go and either pay or, or look for somebody. So he, they might be the next sort of, you know, short-term and long-term kind of prospect. I'm with you with regards to running back unless, unless we are talking about the second coming. I kind of have no real interest until the second round for running backs. And even then this year, there's just, there's just other shit we need. And it wasn't, I think that there were games in the regular season they lost because they didn't have a good running game. I don't think anything in the playoffs that happened was going to change if they had a running game. I think they needed another quarterback or at least the one that they already had healthy. And yeah, Singletary did fine in the playoffs. And really, I think that's, I think that's probably the answer is just like, yeah, they were one play and it was probably a defensive play away. So, and they, they got, they got Von Miller. So uh, that's the whole front seven taken care of. And so <laughs> add another guy to the back four now, and we'll see if that, that, that carries it. Of course, uh, we so all know our, Brandon Bean's just going to add an edge. Just another edge rusher. Yeah, it's just going to be draft. That's all, just draft all the edge rushers. Exactly. I forgot. Edge rushers on the roster. Even even five line. years ago, five years ago, Scott was already over the waves of edge rushers. You literally said, "I get it, waves, waves, I get it." <laughs> Swear to God. And here we are, five years later, still doing the waves of rushers. It's another, it's another new defensive line turnover. Another, another <laughs> yep. three new guys on the defensive line. Right. And heck, bring back Shaq and Jordan Phillips while we're at it. Why not? Yeah. Sure, run it back. All right. There is something I want to mention before we go to listeners' questions in this day in, in Bill's headlines. It's just because I don't want to finish with it. But apparently Von Miller 
sent two pictures of his ex-girlfriend, na- naked pictures of her, of his ex-girlfriend to some other of his friends and, and like is involved in some sort of revenge porn lawsuit and TMZ reported it and no one has said anything since. I haven't heard it on WGR. I haven't seen it reported by the Buffalo News. I saw nothing. I didn't even I didn't see it in the Athletic. I don't. It was on Syracuse.com. It was on the that okay. that. Okay. Okay. Well, I I just I felt like this should have been at least somebody should have spent 15 minutes about it, you know, on the radio or something. And and maybe they did, and I missed it. But I I didn't see anything really. It certainly has not gotten the attention you would expect. Uh, we can have thoughts on it. I understand that there's very limited information and everything. I wonder if it's, you know, I know that the team is not above with Jack Eichel. I think it was an open secret that he was an asshole. Okay. For the Sabres. And the moment he left and especially after that game that he played, like the, all the, all like the, all the embargoes from the team came off and you were allowed to like say some of the things that you were sort of holding back about on Jack Eichel. And I wonder if the team has done that and said, Hey, like, look, this is a private matter. You can look at it, but we'd appreciate it if there wasn't a lot of attention on it. And they have the kind of sway that maybe they can, they can force the hand. Um, it's also not sort of like a, I guess it's limited in scope is the only other thing I would say. It seems like it's a particular argument with somebody. It's not like a pattern of Von Miller behavior, at least at this point. And it was sent to two people. He knew it wasn't sort of posted on a website somewhere, but certainly not good behavior. I'm just trying to figure out why there hasn't been more clamor for it. But Scott and Paul, if you have questions or thoughts on it, now's the time. But otherwise, I'm ready to table this until more more comes out. I blame the patriarchy. I think that is that is the root. Of there all is that. there is some in fact truth to that half joke. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, it is. It is half of a joke. That is that is most yeah. of it. And I'd say part of it might be also be like, I'm pretty sure this is a crime in California where it happened. I don't actually know if it's a crime in New York State. I'm not saying it should or shouldn't. I'm just saying that may affect the coverage as I'm well. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Okay. And to the very sure least, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's well, who knows? Because it was civil lawsuits that were fired. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That were and there's some stuff about they took the pictures together. So. Like, as a lawyer, if I'm defending him, maybe I say, well, it's his picture, too. He's allowed to distribute it. So I'm, you know, hopeful that this gets resolved and it's not, you know, speaks to the general character of Von Miller, who I very much want to like. Hopefully in five or six years, I'll do a who's bad take and I'll bring up like, do you remember that weird Von Miller story? Yeah. Because if <laughs> and it, that if, if, got settled and everything right. was fine after that. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. if true, it's at the very least just a. Bad thing to do. That's that type yes. of photo is shared with you. It's intimate. Yeah. It's private. It's not meant for any sort of redistribution, whether uh, on the interwebs for everyone to see or just among friends. So uh, poor I, form at the very least, and you know yes. potentially. I am glad to say that neither of you have shared naked pictures of people you know with me, nor I with you. And if you are sharing those pictures, I'm a little annoyed you haven't shared them. But. Mostly- <laughs> Mostly, I just am glad that, like, these are the quality of my friends, that, like, you would break up with somebody and not be like that bitch. Would you like to see it naked? <laughs> that has not happened. Yeah. Uh, Today. No, I'm serious just events that would require that to happen in my life are pretty remarkable. Yes, at this okay. point, we're way back. Like, there's, there's a whole series of things that have to happen before we get there. So, 
Before we get ourselves in any more trouble with that topic, <laughs> did we have any listener questions, Paul? We did. We had one, uh, which you had commented on, which was our friend David Furster. Uh, would you trade the second round pick for uh, Kadarius Tony? That is, of course, disgruntled New York Giants wide receiver Kadarius Tony now in the Brian Dable camp. Uh, g- gentlemen, your thoughts? Nah. A second rounder? Second round. Yeah. That is tough. I don't think I could do it for a second. I think I could do a third. I think you could take a flyer on a third. Uh, a right, third then you you're just kind of drafting him. A third, a third you can turn into a good pick. Um, a third might turn into a good pick. Second round pick, you should be able to get an NFL player starter yeah. out of a second round pick. And uh, yeah. you'd have a little better bet of picking somebody who's might have a little less baggage than a guy who's kind of run himself out of business in his first season on a team. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. I, I'm not interested in saying that. Uh, yes, the athletic potential is there. And sometimes we look at guys like Odell Beckham, who forced him out of Cleveland. Uh, Stephon Diggs, of course, uh, much of our benefit forced himself out of Minnesota. Those guys, when they did those things, were proven National Football League players who felt they yeah. had given all to their teams that they could and they were not being uh, given what they needed in return, whether on the field uh, or what. And so you can think about that strategy, whatever you want, but at least they had some footing. You know, Kadarius Tony is a 23-year-old with 10 NFL games under his belt and 39 catches. You know, he's he's a guy that I, maybe you take a lower pick to take a flyer on. I might even go fourth round uh, to be real with you, but uh, yeah, I, I personally don't, don't swing a second. Yeah. I'm whoever they don't take in the first round position wise, whether it's corner or whatever, I'm hoping that's the second round pick, right? Like that second round, I kind of want it to be the interior lineman or the, you know, I guess. I mean, we know it's going to be edge, edge. I don't know why we're having. It's just going to be double that, right? Yeah. The first couple rounds. They have not taken anyone besides an edge rusher in the first two rounds since what? 2019. So every every second rounder this decade. And yeah, he was a defensive lineman too. He wasn't an edge rusher, but he was defensive line. Yes. So the last was Edmonds and Allen in 18. Anyway, you can show me that if you can show me for proof or prove that Brandon Bean plans to take, another AJ Epinesa with the second round pick, then I will trade it for the wide receiver. <laughs> but otherwise I, 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 my, my, I don't start until the third round. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's do this day in Bill's headlines and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on. One more, one more thing. One more thing. When I listened to the podcast, we were still doing this day in Bill's history and it was only one story. It was only yeah. one story. Yeah. That was how this now, was for years yeah. until I ran into a dead zone in the preseason. I'm like, I got to think of something different to do. So, uh, that read necessity, and then I gave myself a lot more work to do, so that was dumb. <laughs> uh, yes, this day in Bill's headlines. First, an apology. I was talking about Derek Stingley's uh, father. Derek Stingley's father is very much alive. His grandfather, uh, Daryl Stingley, is the one who was hit by Jack Tatum in the preseason in the 70s, unfortunately became quadriplegic and passed away from that injury. Uh, Derek Stingley's dad, Derek Stingley, was in some NFL train cast, but only made to the AFL and also to AAA baseball. So obviously some good athletes in that family. Uh, anyway, on to this day in Bill's headlines. Today is, of course, April 26th. Some of these are going to be easy for you. I've thrown in a couple challenges, and here we go. 2020, retired NFL wide receiver Brandon Marshall explains why newly drafted Bill's wide receiver blank gave him goosebumps. 
getting goosebumps right now because it wasn't until after I signed a $47 million deal with the Dolphins that I learned how to play in the red zone and how to be technical. You have something, you pick this up in high school. What this kid is going is doing at this level took me six years to understand. What year was this? 2020. New wide receiver in 2020. Is it Gabe Davis? Or... It is Gabe Davis. That is yeah. dead on, Scott. And in fact, it's proved true. Stephon Diggs even said Davis's rookie year. He did not seem like a rookie. And uh, hopefully that Kansas City game was indeed that breakout game. All right. Uh, this will be a quick one. 2019 experts say Buffalo Bills got an absolute steal and first round pick blank. 2019. Oh, uh, Ed, Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver. He's been mentioned many times on this pod today. So, mm-hmm. all right. 2018. Blank on private workout with Bills. I could have thrown better. I wish I could have thrown better at that workout. Blank said Wednesday of the session he had in front of coaches Sean McDermott, uh, Coach Sean McDermott, General Manager Brandon Bean, and other club officials in Los Angeles. Not my best throwing day, but I completed most of my footballs. It wasn't a huge deal, but I could have thrown better. Did we end up signing this player? We did not. Did oh, not so end up not AJ, It's not AJ McCarron then. Okay. No, this is actually a draftable player versus a. Oh, draftable. Right, right, right. Yes. So you said 2018. Yep. So uh, in California. Yeah. So was it Josh <laughs> Allen? Was it not? Was it Josh Allen? No, okay. Rosen. No, Rosen. Rosen Rosen. The workout was Maya, awesome. Maya Rudolph. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, Darnold. Darnold, there we go. Sam Darnold, oh, okay. the one who had a private workout with the Bills and did not throw well. And I'm glad he did not because we might have drafted him. All right. Uh, 2014, fifth-year options for, for people. Bills pick up fifth-year option on Blank's contract. Blank, who started since or who started since arriving in Buffalo, is the fourth-round pick in or fourth pick in 2011. Had a career-best seven and a half sacks last year. So a 2011 mm-hmm. fourth-round pick. Fourth overall pick. I'm sorry. Fourth overall round. pick. Would. Is that Darius? That is. That's Marcel Darius. This is so April 26 is the day you give fifth year options to uh, interior Mm -hmm. linemen. Interesting. Yep. All right. right. 2011. We're rolling through. Bill's cornerback blank turned away its team facility. Bill's cornerback blank was denied entering to his team's facility on Tuesday morning, despite a judge's ruling lifting the NFL's lockout. After arriving at team headquarters around 8.30 a.m., Blank was stopped at a security desk inside the building and then was approached by Bill's CEO, Russ Brandon, the player told the Associated Press. Blank said he was denied entering, that Brandon told him coach Chan Gailey would contact him and his teammates to inform them when they would be allowed to report. Blank then left the facility. Leotis McKelvin? Leotis McKelvin. Good job. Yes. And a good, good work just... ethic, Leotis, too. Showing up even when you weren't allowed to. <laughs> also, good guess, Frank. Yes. Uh, all right. 2009. Playmaking tight end blank nabbed by Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, he's an extremely athletic tight end that can help right away in the passing game, said Bill's scout Sean Heinlein. He's a vertical threat with excellent hands and athletic ability. He runs very well for his size and is going to create matchup issues with linebackers and safety. He did not. Who's that take? 
Whose bad take? It was Sean Heinlein's bad take. (laughs) Okay. I was uh, was thinking about all the times I've wanted a tight end and we didn't take them, like Brandon Pettigrew and whatever, but I feel like there are no good tight ends other than – I I think it's like there's four good tight ends in the history of the NFL. Uh, (laughs) Let's start start the guessing with Derek Fine. Derek Fine, good guess, but no, I think he was a free agent. Derek Schumann. Schumann, the other Derek who played at the same time as Derek Fine, also no. Um, this um, was a fourth round pick out of Southern Miss. Uh, he finished his NFL career after two seasons and 20 catches for 181 yards and one TD, which I believe came in his first NFL game on Monday night against the Patriots. Did he convert to wide receiver later in his career? He did not, but he had, there was another Bills player with the same last name who was similarly sized who played wide receiver. So that were, that would have been Sean Nelson. Sean Nelson, correct, is the answer. So David, David Nelson, Nelson? Was a wide receiver, yeah. who would look like okay. a tight end. Uh, but Sean Nelson was one who was actually a tight end. So, oh, Ooh. yes, a little bit of a letdown. Dawson Knox, who's been an okay NFL tight end, has been a revelation based on all of these other players we've gone through. Yes. All yes. right. 2006, Blank hired his radio analyst. Blank director of development at a suburban Buffalo high school spent all eight of his NFL years with the Bills before retiring following the 1993 season. Uh, Steve Tasker. Nope, nope. Radio analyst. Um, Guy working outside uh, alongside John Murphy. Does say he was a on all four AFC championship winning teams. James Lofton. He still ranks third on the Bills with 30 career interceptions. Nate Odoms, Mark Kelso, Mark Kelso. Mark Kelso. There we go. All right, three to go, four to go. Uh, ESPN shadowing 2003, ESPN shadowing blanks every move. ESPN's Jeremy Schapp has been on the blank case for the past three days. Schapp, who is working on a piece on the former Miami Hurricane for Outside the Lines, met blank in New York for... Yep, Willis McGahee. Yeah, Finish the quote. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't. No, there's nothing good in there. I'm glad you got it. it was okay. Yeah, Willis McGahee. All right. This one I think will be the challenge, but we're gonna we're gonna see how well we do. Uh, Buffalo to sign blank to rookie free agent contract. Blank was signed as a defensive back. The Bills plan to look at him at quarterback. He'll also get some work on special teams. Blank had a great career at Moorhead State, running an option style offense. He led the NCAA. NCAA Division One Double A in total offense and points responsible for whatever that means. Last season, he's the only player in Division One Double A history to gain a thousand yards passing and rushing in the same season three times, and the only one to rush for more than three thousand yards and pass for more than five thousand yards in a career. Now I will give. So he the, was. Yeah. What yeah, was the year again? It was 2001. I'm going to give this big hint. He never played for the Bills or in the NFL. So you're thinking, well, how would I guess this guy? Uh, I will give the hint that he is the great nephew of a former New York City mayor. Ed Koch's nephew. Mike <laughs> Not Koch. sure him. Not sure that's... So, so it would have been... Jim LaGuardia. <laughs> This is the, Fiorello. the 106th mayor of New York City, if you know all your New York City mayors. Oh, yeah. Well, I stopped counting at 97, so, you know. <laughs> um, I feel like after that, it got too commercial. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Naaman Roosevelt, great nephew of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. 
Oh, that was a good guess. Um, yeah, it was not correct. It's the, he was the first African-American to hold the office. It was between Ed Koch and Rudy Giuliani. That would have been Dinkins. David Dinkins. Dinkins. Very good. They had the same name, David Dinkins. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the lawyer or the, the, the mayor and the former Bills player. Uh, he did note the younger David Dinkins said when I was in high school, he had a heart attack and everyone was calling the house saying, Dave, you had a heart attack? And he's like, no, that was, that was my uncle. All right. Fabulous. 1997 blank takes care of family before a long journey to buffalo a few years ago when his buddies headed to school the buffalo bills number one draft choice was in a clothing factory learning about the fine points learning the fine points about dye mixture uh imagine an all everything athlete riding his bike to work and earning 5.15 an hour for an education that includes the intricacies of meshing the right colors for a topaz shirt now at age 25, the oldest first-round pick in years is about to become a millionaire and the heir apparent to one of the greats in NFL history. Todd Collins? Nope, that was a great guess. And I took out a word here because it did say one of the greatest blank in NFL history. And if I had said quarterback, that would have been a great uh, great guess. Um, yeah, but it's not, not the quarterback. A, okay. But if I said is great it, and gave the position, I think you would get it immediately. Is it Marcellus? Nope, nope. So I, I will say it's one of the greatest running backs in NFL history. Heir apparent, one of the greatest running backs. So 1997. The guy after Thurman. Yep. So Antoine Smith. Yes, it is Antoine Smith. He was the Bills' first round pick. I didn't remember that he was 25 when they drafted him. I didn't know that. Which could explain why he's so yeah. short. Uh, relatively. He did have some good years yeah. with the Bills and the Patriots. All right, last one, guys. This one, I have a feeling you're either going to know or not. There's not going to be a lot of in-between guessing on this one. So 1983, Bills used two opening round draft choices to grab a tight end and a quarterback. Uh, I'll go in reverse order and how they're presenting the article. Buffalo's second choice, the 14th overall, was Florida quarterback Jim Kelly, which is a typo, by the way, because he was the Miami quarterback, who set nearly mm -hmm. every school passing record before separating his shoulder the Bills selected Kelly with the pick they got from Cleveland in exchange for the rights to linebacker Tom Kuzno, which, as we've discussed on the pod, came from the, the OJ trade. So that is the OJ Jimbo connection. Uh, before picking Kelly, the Bills took Notre Dame tight end blank as their first pick, the 12th overall. At 6'4", 226 pounds, blank played wide receiver in college and caught 42 passes for 507 yards last year, ranking third on Notre Dame's all-time list with 1,897 yards and receptions total. If he played wide receiver, why do we say we drafted him as a tight end? I well, because they were going to move him to tight. I guess he, it was kind of like they looked at his his measurables and thought, okay, you're that's a fine. Wide I just, I just they should say they drafted a wide receiver because they did, and if right. they turn him into a tight end, that's fine. Right, that's um, they, they drafted. Mean, uh, they drafted Jairus Bird, who was a cornerback. You know, he became a safety, right. but he was drafted. He was a cornerback right. in college. Okay, I have no idea who this is. All right. Mind. So, okay. Sun Tzu. It's Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu. Uh, no. Uh, I wish I had a, a good hint on this one. Um, his last name is a big part of a Dido song. That's a terrible hint. Um, <laughs> thank me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, thank me. No. <laughs> um, Tony, here with me. No, it's, it's actually uh, the great Tony Hunter. Uh, 
you know, I'm the hunter. All right. Anyway. Yeah, no, I feel like you could like all the ways to get us yeah. the hunter. That was... Yeah. Why do I make twice? Like this is someone who shoots things. Uh, that could have <laughs> made it. Obvious, so. Famous Minnesota Twins center fielder. Tori Hunter. Yes. Yeah, similar name. Right. That would work. But no, my, my brain went to Dido, which says a lot about my brain. Uh, it does it, say a lot about your brain, but we like your brain for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. the man drafted two spots before Jim Kelly by the Bills, Tony Hunter, and that was this day in Bills headlines for April 26th. Very good. Thank you so much for all that that research. It's always fun. Okay. Um, so the next time we'll talk to you, we'll have new players to talk about. We'll have you know new stuff to deal with. Maybe they'll fire a team president. They replaced the <laughs> team president uh, with, with uh, Mrs. Pagula, Kim, and then we were all like, well, I don't know, is she going to be able to handle, like, like, of course, like, the fact that, like, Russ Brandon made it look so fucking insane. Like, she's <laughs> she's sort of done it, and no one's thought about it since Josh Allen's been here. Um, but anyway, uh, who knows? Maybe something else will pop. We'll find out. Uh, so we'll have all that to talk about. Uh, we're, we're approaching wacky schedule time. It's all it's all coming. It's all coming up. Uh, so until that time, thank you so much for listening. My uh, My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everybody.